Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman, Guten Tag. So, uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. Um, as you may or may not know, uh, Steven Crowder has kind of got banned again from YouTube, and he hasn't been creating anything lately, and that's bumming me out, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> he's apparently suing YouTube uh, for an injunction, and I'm going to just sit here and nod like I pretend like I know what that means. But he's got his, uh, he's got his lawyer on it, and so hopefully, you know, that's a good, it's going to be a groundbreaking case. I hope, I hope it becomes a groundbreaking case. In the sense of like uh, what YouTube and other social media companies do to creators, especially like when it comes to algorithms that keeps uh, some people who try to break into YouTube, uh, but you know never get noticed because of these modern algorithms that keep people like me from ever finding somebody who might want to watch my videos on YouTube. And so uh, uh, Stephen Crowder put out a, a video on Rumble, and I'm not sure if um, I might have to make a move to Rumble. Just to see, because I mean, I I did the uh, bit shoot for a while, and uh, it's it's that the software just seems like a real pain in the butt. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's it's very basic. It's minimal, and you know, uh, even though I got more views on bit shoot than I have on YouTube, I feel like their algorithm isn't you know stifling me as YouTube's algorithms are stifling me. But I'm I'm not sure. Maybe I need to go to Rumble. You know, give me your advice. Send me an email, madman at fxbgpr.com. If you want, you know, if you think I should go to Rumble, um, Parler was down for like a week last, uh, was it two weeks ago? It was down for like a week and now it came back and I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like, uh, I understand how software works anymore because I'm long out of that industry. You know, I haven't been a part of that business for a long, long time, but I really don't like, uh, the new Parler. It's like, I just don't seem to be getting the notifications that I used to get. I don't seem, uh, people, uh, posting as much. So I'm not really sure. I, hashtags, I don't know if they're working. So it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to make of the new parlor. So I just want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. Uh, three bucks a month. Uh, considering how, the, how much the dollar is going to be worth in a few, di- in a few weeks, a few months. Um, you know, it's no big deal. Three bucks a month. Become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. Uh, if you can't do that, uh, you can also send me cash to Cash App. Use the hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio. You see over here on my right shoulder. Your right shoulder. Okay. <laughs> my left. Your from your perspective, right. Uh, you can cash Cash App me some money. You can send me a note if you want to. If you or a question, I might put it up in my mailbag. I consider that you know mailbag. <laughs> if you send me a message on on Cash App. Uh, so yeah, also if you can't do any of that, if you can't support me financially, I understand, you know, times it's tough, but if you can't, you know, I, you know, just, uh, like share and subscribe my videos, uh, comment on them. You know, interaction helps a whole lot, uh, when it comes to, uh, getting, getting noticed in other places, uh, post it to groups that, uh, you know, some Facebook group, you know, find a clip of mine, post it to some Facebook group you're in, if it applies, I mean. My last video has 85 views because I posted it in this uh, uh, Navy Radioman group I'm in on Facebook because uh, I used to be a Radioman. They they always they're always uh, posted like Navy stuff and Radioman stuff and it's cool. I like it. Um, so I'm I'm gonna be talking about 
you know, my back's been bothering me, so send me some money because I need some an inversion table. So become a patron or send me some money through Cash App because uh, my back's been killing me. So I've been watching a lot of movies and stuff lately. So I'm going to be talking about a few of those. Uh, one I recently saw was called Save Yourselves. And it's one of those things that you can watch right before you go to bed or something like that. A kind of movie that you... Um, uh, you don't care if you fall asleep in the middle of, you know. Um, so this movie, The Save Yourselves, is a movie about two overeducated, underskilled liberal cityots. And you know what cityots are, right? Cityots uh, are people who don't understand that cities are the most dangerous places on earth, even in the best of times. Anyway, these two cityots go out to a cabin in the woods to, quote-unquote, disconnect from the Internet and social media, but little do they know that an alien invasion has begun. It's a decent premise for a comedy, obviously. Now, I don't want to give too much away about the nature of the aliens, but I, I will allow you to uh, discover that for yourselves. Uh, but they are pretty si silly aliens. <clears throat> uh, and because of them, it becomes obvious, once you see them, then it, it becomes obvious that this film is a comedy. However, it doesn't really deliver as a quality comedy. Sure, there are plenty of little chuckles here and there where you can laugh at how stupid and unaware these people are, not to mention that they are addicted to their devices. But once they actually realize what is happening, then the comedy kind of goes up one notch because of their panicky nature. And there's a scene, they find out that there's a gun in the friend's cabin, and they have this argument about actually taking and using the gun during an alien invasion and they are so clueless that they can't understand that the advantage of having a firearm in such a situation far outweighs its danger, even if you have absolutely no training with firearms. And that's pretty much every gag in the movie. These two idiots have no practical skills to help save their lives during a life-threatening situation. I think they literally say this out loud during the beginning of the third act. Also, in the third act, they stumble upon an orphaned baby. And they do the right thing despite their selfish natures, which sort of redeems them in my mind. Even these idiots, even if those idiots uh, probably doomed that poor baby just as much as they, as they did themselves by the end. I suppose that's why they left the ending ambiguous. Foreboding, but ambiguous. You'll see what I mean if and when you watch it. See, the thing is that normally I would consider this to be a very cute couple with good intentions, yet painfully naive. The kind of people that can only exist in the luxury and safety of Occidental democracies. Which is a good thing in my opinion. It's your responsibility to develop skills and prepare for emergency situations, and this, cu this couple obviously did no such thing. I look at these people like pet rabbits in a cage. Mostly use useless, yet somewhat adorable. I wish no harm upon them, but I will not risk my life to protect them. Anyway, 2020 film called Save Yourselves. I give it four of 13 stars. I didn't really like that Star Trek episode with Trouble with Tribbles anyway. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this uh, series I watched uh, called 112263. Witness a theor theoretical argument, Washington, D.C., the present. Four intelligent men talking about an improbable thing like going back in time. A friendly debate revolving around a simple issue. Could a human being change what has happened before? Interesting and theoretical, because no one ever heard of a man going back in time. 
before tonight, that is, because this is the Twilight Zone. Anyway, 1122-63 is mostly, mostly a love letter to the early 60s. But it's also the longest Twilight Zone episode ever. If the, if the numbers 112263 mean nothing to you, the whole premise of this series is about a time traveler, tri- time traveler trying to go back in time and stop the JFK assassination. There was a lot of big names associated with this series, including James Franco, J.J. Abrams, and Stephen King, and it shows. This is an incredibly produced, written, acted, and directed series and worth the watch for that alone. But it is also an interesting sci-fi story where someone tries his best to stop one of the most traumatic events in American history. But it reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode starring the professor called Back There, where the professor mysteriously travels back in time and tries to stop the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And just like that Twilight Zone episode, it seems history wants to happen. And in all fairness to the uh, 1122-63 series... It is a far more involved and in-depth story with more moral and ethical quandaries than the 1961 Twilight Zone episode. I mean, how far would you go to stop the Kennedy assassination? Would you kill to further that goal? It's an all—it's all a very interesting and engaging. It's all very interesting and engaging. But once fate, quote unquote, fate starts fighting against you, the closer you get to discovering who is actually responsible for the JFK assassination. Like I said, it seems history wants to happen, which has been a constant theme in time, ta- time travel fiction for as long as I can remember. Also, there is a possibility that JFK's assassination is the best thing for America's history. A counterintuitive thought, obviously, because Camelot's legacy is above reproach because the Kennedys did not really get to sink their teeth into power due to JFK's assassination and, by extension, Robert's assassination as well. I really enjoyed this series because it confronts all these moral, ethical, logistical, and intellectual questions. And because, and because it's a series and not a movie, it has time to explore all of that. I could have done without the love story. I know Holly Weird thinks that the only way a woman would want to watch something is because there's a love story in it. And speaking of the moral and ethical quandaries, banging chicks in the past is always a bad idea. I know it's James Franco, and there's always there's no way he could spend three years in the 1960s without finding some frail pining away for his jock. Never bang people when time traveling. That's like rule number one, in my opinion. Back to the Future was brave enough to somewhat tackle that subject. Otherwise, it's a decidedly good series. And if you like sci-fi and intellectual challenges and love the aesthetic of the early 60s, where the colors were bright because TV was black and white, and it was a silver age of comic books. There was, one co- there was a comic book rack in a malt shop in one scene, and I almost came in my pants when I, lost, when I saw it. And I would have to say, to hell with the Kennedys, and buy all the comic books and I could find for, for the next couple years, and then head back to the future to live like a fat cat. Also, they used the sports betting as a means of financing instead of, you know, getting a job. <laughs> but James Franco did get a job in his old career, as a writer-slash-teacher, as all of King's protagonists are, without any of the proper credentials. So why not switch it up, since you have no credentials? Anyway, the big thing I noticed about this Stephen King-based story is the ending wasn't awful like so many of King's stories. 
I mean, Dreamcatcher's ending was okay, and the Dead Zone had the best ending of all King's stories, but the ending of this series was cute and romantic, and I enjoyed it. 11-22-63, 9 of 13 stars. Lee Harvey Oswald was the first Antifa. <clears throat> I got a couple little short things I want to do here for this next segment. Um, I watched What's Love Got to Do With It, uh, starring Angela Bassett and Larry, our pal, uh, uh, Cowboy Curtis, Larry Fishburne, uh, <clears throat> both, both of whom turned in excellent performances in that movie. Great actors and performances. Absolutely. And I just want to say one thing <clears throat> to Tina and battered women in general all over the world. Men who beat women are cowards and generally wouldn't dare to do such things to men or in front of real men because they would never get away with it. If you don't walk away the first time a man hits you, that's on you. You can't control anything else in this world but you. I don't care if you need to run to Buddhism, but you should run and find real men, which are all over this earth, who would never hit you and protect you from assholes like Ike Turner as a matter of general principle. If you can't run for whatever excuse you come up with, I suggest you learn how to fight. Generally, generally, women are not as strong as men. It's called sexual dimorphism, trans people. But you could learn how to defend yourself. Hell, I'll teach you. I know this isn't the 1960s, but this is still relevant advice. However, ladies, if you return to the bed, arms, or funding of men who hit you, abuse you, impregnate you, and then cheat on you, how can you ever expect to earn the respect or love of any real man? Ike Turner's got lots of kids, and I bet those kids have lots of kids, and their kids have kids, and their have kids have kids. So thanks for populating the world with the evil seed. What good's a heart when your body's broken? It's a good movie. I just ruined it, though. <laughs> so I was watching uh, Misfits as well. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it. I think I talked about it previously on... Uh, over shows, yeah, yeah. Ek's been watching it too. Uh, so, um, the what's that? Nathan, you know, he's just an annoying little bastard. What do they call him? A twat. He's a twat. Yes, he's a twat. And um, he his power is immortality. And I was just thinking about like um, if he never uh, was killed, you know, if he never got killed, but he had the power of immortality. Say you got it. Say you had the power of immortality. Say we lived in the comic book world and you got the power of immortality. When would you realize that? 150 years from now? 20 years. You think you'd learn in 20 years? You would learn in 20 years. How? You didn't age? You think 20 years? EK says it's like 20 years, you don't age. I don't know. I think I'd notice in 20 years if I didn't age at all. No gray hair? It's like... I would say I th I would say it's maybe fifty years, maybe fifty years. I mean, at what point, being an immortal, would you sit there and say, "Is like, all right, what exactly is going on?" All right, is uh, at what point do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Okay, this has gotten out of hand." One hundred, two hundred years. I mean, there are plenty of Twilight Zone episodes and sci-fi sci-fi flicks that preach that mort mor uh, mortality gives life its purpose. And, but just imagine if you're Dorian Gray or Thor, <clears throat> excuse me, 
or what's his name? The, uh, what's that movie where the cane still walks the earth with Henry Rollins? Uh, he, never he never died. And even in modern fiction, there are the immortals like Ross Chagul and uh, Vandal Savage. Sorry, I'm a DC fan. And, you know, people who live forever, that seems boring to me, Highlander fans, because the longer you perceive time, the shorter it becomes. And you would get bored. You would get caught up in your vices. I mean, I mean, speaking of Highlander, look at that guy. He's, he had, how many times has he stabbed himself in front of a chick in his apartment to get late? <laughs> I'm Connor McCloud from the Clan McCloud, and I'm immortal. How many times does that work for him? <laughs> so that's what I mean. It's like over time, over the centuries, you would become incredibly bored, and you would do things like that. Stab yourself in front of chicks just to get late doesn't matter if you look like Christopher Lambert. I, I bet that guy could get laid anyway, even if he wasn't immortal. If you're in movies, you're probably good looking. Anyway. Um, anyway, so it seems boring to live forever. And, you know, and, and uh, like how many years until, like, say, like, there's a, a super, like, the Misfits, there was a storm. And then all of a sudden, like, there's a ton of people out there with superpowers. And a couple of them are immortal, have immortality or something like that. At what point, like, would you say, like, maybe 200 years pass or 150 years pass before somebody makes an immortal dating app? You know, it's just just something, just something to think about. But it's funny because the morality of all... Forever is a really long time to spend alone. Say again? Because forever is a really long time to spend alone. See, EK's, EK's already coming up with taglines for the dating app because forever is a long time to spend alone. It's, <laughs> it's so... <clears throat> The funny thing is, is that all of these morality tales that involve uh, uh, immortality. There was this one Twilight Zone episode where a guy, I forget, something, Mister something, and he was immortal, and he like, like grew up in like ancient Greece, and he came across this uh, this mystic man, and he like did some voodoo over him and made him live forever, and so uh, then he finally gets killed. And he's like, finally, you know, at long last, you know, the morality, the morality play that is that comes with the fiction of being immortal is the fact that, you know, it's it's what it's it's mortality that gives life its purpose. And, you know, what? if you're somebody like Thor, if you're somebody like Dorian Gray, if you're you're somebody like Vandal Savage, you wouldn't be necessarily innovative. You would be self-indulgent and bored and not being not feel a need to do anything right now. All right. What's, what's the urgency if you're living forever? That's the point. And so it's funny because more, mortals seem to be innovative. They understand that life is finite, you know? And I think that that's part of our, our consciousness as human beings. You know, you got to understand that, you know, it's like life doesn't live, go forever. It really doesn't. So you got you to gotta strike while the iron's hot, make hay where the sun shines, all those, all those platitudes. All right? So... That's a very long way to basically summarize the theme of Who Wants to Live Forever by Queen. But touch my tears with your lips. Who can hit those notes? God. Freddie Mercury. He had, he had extra teeth so he can hit like four registers. Seriously. Seriously. He if, Do some research into it. He, he had like extra molars. And it just it made him able to hit like four registers. And, you know, since he grew up in England where there's nothing to do in the rain but stay inside and sing, you know, hey, 
Got plenty of practice. <laughs> What'd you say? Yeah, no doubt, yeah. No, that's a band from the 90s. I'm talking about Queen. I'm going to want an apology for all of this. At the very least, from abortion to Antifa to critical race theory to defund the police, the pandemic, the mask madness, all of it. I'm going to want an apology once these mindless lemming idiots realize how fascist and terrorist that they have become. And of course the left supports the Palestinians because they have been borrowing their terror tactics now for years. I'll tell you why I support Israel over Palestine. It's real simple. I don't trust Islam or its fanatics. Israel has been a far better steward for the holy sites than Palestinians ever were. Israel surgically strikes its enemies while Palestinian terrorists fire randomly into civilian populations because killing Jews, any Jews, is their sole purpose for doing so. Israel attempts to share the shared holy sites with Islam while Islamists want to, ex- want have, want to have exclusive control over all of the holy sites and holy lands. I have seen and read stories upon, upon scores and scores of radical murderers from, born from Islam, and I can't even think of one radical murderous Jewish person. And every single Jewish person, Jewish, Jewish, wow, that's a tongue twister. Every single Jewish person I have ever met has been kind, intelligent, and annoyingly sober. Every Muslim I have ever met has been arrogant at the very least and violent at the worst. You may think that Israel is Palestinian land all you want, but I don't care. I think that Islamic extremism is far too common for a religion that supposedly preaches peace. And if I were king of the world and angry drunk, I would order my crimson guard to wipe Islam off the face of the earth. Because no matter how much time passes, no matter how many people die, these Islamic Islamic theocratic assholes always swing back around to the idea that killing Jews pleases God. It turns my stomach as a Christian to think that these tool bags shout God is great when they kill. I don't think such people believe in God at all. I think they are misogynists who have been brainwashed by the radical leadership into thinking that killing non-believers is their sole mission in this life. So go ahead and say that since I am a Christian, that I must be a Zionist. Well, blow that out of your ass. I am a Christian and an American. So all I, all I want is peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And Israel, in control of the Holy Land, is more likely to, to usher in an age of peace than Muslims in control of it. Simple as that. And I am American, so I have no interest in any theocracy, and I generally consider them to be horrible modes of governance. So I'm going to want an apology. An apology from the Muslims for killing in the name of God an apology from the left-leaning people of Western democracies that support these terrorists, an apology from Black Lives Matter and Antifa for their terrorist tactics in America. I'm going to want an apology for this mask madness, for this pandemic nonsense. I'm going to want an apology about the defund the police movement. I'm going to want an apology for this critical race theory, racist nonsense. I'm going to want an apology for abortion because at some point in this life or the next, you will realize how evil such things are and you owe us all an apology. Just to lighten the mood, you remember when the Bing Bang Theory 
uh, Sheldon Cooper, uh, he, uh, he came up with a solution <laughs> for the Israel-Palestine thing, and he said he wanted to create a, lepre, uh, a replica, I almost said replica leper colony, <laughs> replica, <laughs> replica um, uh, holy land in Mexico and stuff like that, and ask, you know, one of the other the groups to go over there instead. And everyone he proposes to, I think it was only uh, Jewish people in, in the show, but they're just looking at it, they're just like, get out. You know, that's, or they'd, they'd walk away from him because it's, it's ridiculous. And so uh, I'm sorry, Sheldon's mom, but Sheldon is obviously godless, doesn't believe in God. And so his solution makes sense to him, but it really doesn't make sense to anybody who really cares <laughs> about that issue. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that's all my ranting I'm going to do for now. So we're going to go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. I feel a little, a little gassy here. Uh. Ooh, that's our new sound bite. <laughs> well, we don't need to come up with some MIDI thing that, you know, over that stinger. Just, yeah, belch. just a belch. Just a belch. <clears throat> All right. Biden administration's mixed messages on fuel pipelines are as muddled as mask mandates. Now, that's a good headline. A little wordy, but, but pretty good. You got a little, some alliteration going on there. Not bad. Not bad. So it seems to be, this is Fox News. I always... I'll, I pretty much always draw from Fox News, by the way. <laughs> I'll tell you if I don't. So it seems to be a bit of a struggle for Team Biden to get on the same page between prioritizing energy pipelines and the sudden move to ditch masks amid the coronavirus pandemic. As the country worries about the recent colonial pipeline hack causing gas prices to skyrocket and putting national security at risk, the administration continues to portray the incident as a non-issue while pushing the vitality of pipelines for fuel transportation. Shouldn't there be a hyphen between non-issue, non-issue? I don't know. Meanwhile, Bi Biden's harsh, harsh cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline was fully supported by his inner circle, including Department of Energy, Department of Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, who defended the president's decision during her Gen January 27th confirmation hearing. Excuse me. But Granholm preached during a news conference last week that the pipelines are the best way to transport energy and according to Duluth News Tribune, advocated uh, back in 2016 to do everything possible to keep fossil fuel energy in the ground. Quote, this particular area of the country, that, this is why they have doubled down on ensuring that there is an ability to truck oil in, gas in, she said Tuesday. But it's, the pipe is the best way to go. The Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg uh, agreed with Granholm during an interview with the Washington Post. When asked if he believed the uh, the administration on, uh, if you believed the administration on needing to revisit the Keystone Pipeline following the colonial breach, Buttigieg tried to simplify it. Quote, unquote, <laughs> quote, unquote, quote, it's really apples and oranges when we talk about the consequences of cyber attack on one pipeline versus the idea of introducing another one, uh, which the president kept his promise that he didn't think it was a good policy and he acted, acted to keep his promise when he took office, Buttigieg said. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas who's been sued by 21 states for his hand in shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, repeatedly referred to the Colonial Pipeline as a critical infrastructure during a news conference on Friday. The administration's muddled pipeline hypocrisy follows a similar change of heart. New guidance from the Centers of Disease Control in stark contrast with previous rules now, now allows fully vaccinated individuals to trash their masks in most public settings. The president previously pushed mask wearing even for vaccinated people up until the CDC pulled this about face, as First Lady Jill Biden encouraged masking even while walking your dog in a video message. Jeez Louise. 
Following CDC Director uh, Rochelle Walensky's announcement about the abrupt reversal, President Biden publicly tossed his mask and took to Twitter to harshly express that Americans can either get the vaccine or continue masking. <laughs> anyway. Uh, some politicians uh, suggested the timing between the colonial, uh, colonial security breach and freedom from face coverings was too perfect. Minority House Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, Republican from California, told Hannity on Friday that the two might be in direct cor uh, correlation to save face. Quote, you know the only reason why they, want, why they changed not wearing the mask, he said? Gasoline went to $7, and there were gasoline lines, and Biden wanted to change the news. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, give them, you know, different, different good news and as part of the bad news. And it's it's kind of like they gave up. It's like, okay, this is the time to give up on it. Concede the fact that we never needed these to begin with. Idiot Democrats. Let's go on to this next story. Uh, McCarthy and Republicans opposed January 6th Capitol Attack Commission over exclusion of other political violence. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy announced Tuesday that he opposes a bipartisan agreement on a commission to inve investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol that was announced on Friday as other Republicans came out against the deal as well. The agreement, hammered out by Homeland Security uh, Committee Chair, Chair Benny Thompson from Mississippi and Ranking Member uh, John Kate Katko from New York, met one Republican demand that it include equal representation for both parties. Yet it failed to meet another in some rep that some Republicans expressed that would also investigate last summer's riots that plagued American cities and other left-wing violence. Quote, the renewed focus by Democrats to now stand up an additional commission ignores the political violence that struck American cities. A Republican congressional baseball practice and most recently a deadly attack at the Capitol Police on April 2nd, 20, uh, 2021. He said, McCarthy said in a statement, the presence of this political violence in American society cannot be tolerated and cannot be overlooked. I have communicated this to our Democrat colleagues for months, and its omission is deeply concerning. He added, given the political misdirections that have marred this process, given the now dupl duplicative and potentially counterproductive nature of this effort, and given the speaker speaker's short-sighted scope that does not examine interrelated forms of political violence in America, I cannot support this legislation. Uh, McCarthy's opposition to the legislation is notable given that he himself deputized CATCO uh, to negotiate the bill on behalf of Republicans. It could indicate a, a potentially partisan vote on the commission in the House, which could kneecap its legitimacy from the beginning. Oh, Nancy Kerrigan. You okay? Uh, McCarthy's opposition is looming over a House Rules Committee meeting on legislation Tuesday. Quote, I still have serious concerns about this legislation. First and foremost, I'm concerned about the scope of this commission, ranking member Tom Cole from Oklahoma said. The events of January 6th uh, did not emerge in a vacuum. Instead, uh, that even is a broader wave of violence that has accompanied increasing coarsen uh, coarsening of politics over the last several years and worsening since the COVID-19 pandemic, he continued. Who talks like that? Uh, given that many events are inextricably linked, it makes sense to grant capability to look more broadly at the political violence in this country, including widespread violence of the last summer and previous attempts to attack members of this body. Rules Committee Chair Jim McGovern from Massachusetts, meanwhile, said a commission needs to, quote, follow the facts 
and to act not only to protect the Capitol and those who walk its halls, but our very democracy. McGovern added that he is stunned by the statement that the minority leader, and I find it alarming that given all all we've been through, given the bipartisan nature of the negotiations between Mr. Thompson and Mr. Katko. Uh, He went on to say, I have to tell you, I'm looking at the minority leader's statement, and I'm pissed, to be honest with you, McGovern added, because I'm also... I'm also looking at the letters that he sent the speaker throughout the process, expressing concern over provisions that he wanted addressed. Duh. Both Mr. Thompson and Mr. Katko appear to have a- addressed every one of his concerns. If there's anybody in this chamber who doesn't believe that it's important to get the truth about what happened on the 6th or want to make believe that what happened on the 6th did not happen on the 6th, like a typical tourist day on the Capitol, they are not fit to serve in this chamber, McCovern added, raising his voice. It is pathetic. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from California also slammed McCarthy, saying he apparently does not want to find the truth. Katko on Friday defended the agreement that he came came with with Thompson, uh, saying it removed politics from the equation. The commission, according to the Homeland Security Committee, would be charged with studying the facts and circumstances surrounding the January 6th attack on the Capitol, as well as the influencing factors that may have provoked the attack in our democracy. Quote, an independent bipartisan commission will remove uh, politicization of the conversation and focus solely on the facts and circumstances surrounding the security breach at the Capitol, as well as other instances of violence relevant to such review, Katko said. Another bill for supplemental uh, funding for capital security also appears that the falling victim has fallen victim to bipartisan bickering. Cole said that security funding, Democrats walked away from a Republican counteroffer, choosing instead to go it alone with a bipartisan bill uh, with us before us today. Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Kay Granger from Texas told the Rules Committee that bipartisan, bipartisan negotiations stalled last week. And Democrats chose to, for, chose to forge ahead, with, uh, more concerned with making headlines than making headway. Appropriations Chair Rosa DeLorio from Connecticut, meanwhile, uh, has said that the bill is aimed at narrowly addressing capital security matters in good faith with no r- unrelated riders. The final patch, packet, passage of legislation for a January 6th commission likely does not come down to McCarthy, but rather a Senate minority, minority leader Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. McConnell has been a harsh critic of, his form, of, of the former president, unlike McCarthy. But amid a debate over a commission earlier this year, he said that the committee should look more... Uh, look at more than just the January 6th attack and focus on other political violence, too. McConnell's office did not immediately respond for comment, but on Friday, Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa said the Catco-Thompson agreement, uh, I think that they're going to have to broaden the inquiries to make it they're making in order to get 60 votes. So I, I think that that's true. I think that the Democrats want to focus on January 6th because they consider that to be a bunch of Republicans, uh, you know, conservatives trying to take over the government. That's the way they prefer to see it. Instead, they don't see a bunch of people, a bunch of conservatives, you know, in D.C. You know, in, there's probably a bunch of you know, liberals there, too. Okay, don't don't forget that. You know, and uh, I heard, you know, I've heard stories that people were being waved into Congress, waved into those, those buildings. And... uh I think absolutely we uh, our Congress should be talking about that attack, but we should also be talking about all the other violence that has happened over the U.S. over the uh, that summer, uh, the summer previous, because I think it's all very relevant. And the only reason the Democrats don't want to talk about that because that was their people, that was their people, and they're scared that if an investigation goes on, they're going to find out that there's a ton of Democrat money 
going to fund all that Antifa and Black Lives Matter nonsense. You know, it doesn't all get spent on their bitches' houses, you know what I mean? All right, let's go on to this next story. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, ousted Space Force officer says he's been misportrayed and receives thousands of notes from troops. A lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Space Force uh, who was relieved of his command told Fox News Digital on Monday that he is being misportrayed online in regards to the comments about Marxism he made in a, on a podcast earlier this month and that he has received a private outpouring of support from his fellow service members. Lieutenant Colonel Matt, uh, Matthew Lohmeyer, formerly the commander of the 11th Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base in Aurora, Colorado, was ousted from his position last week, a development first reported by Military.com. Lohmeyer told Fox News he still retains his rank, but has been reassigned within the Space Force. Look, if that had been an enlisted guy, he would have been busting down on rank and pay. All right. Probably some other disciplinary things. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to go get into that officer thing right now. Anyway, he uh, retains his rank but was reassigned within the Space Force. The controversy came following Lohmeyer's appearance on the Information Operation podcast, wherein he promoted his new book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and Making and the Unmaking of the, Ameri uh, the American Military. Uh, I don't believe I was going to be... I don't believe I was being partisan... I am not politically partisan. It, uh, it's, it is not politically partisan to expose or attack critical race theory or Marxism, Lohmeyer told Fox News Monday. Uh, I went out to say the reason I say that is because critical race theory and Marx Marxism are antithetical to American values. Critical race theory fuels narratives that America's founding uh, that attack America's founding documents. In that regard, Lohmeyer said that he is uh, that he is and was not attacking any political party or official. I am being misportrayed online. I don't criticize any leader or any person in the DOD, that's Department of Defense, or any elected officials. But I try to tee up ideas that I think are toxic, he said. In February, Lohmeyer said the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin III issued guidance to every service member which asked them to stand up for each other and that every soldier has a responsibility to say something when they see impermissible, impermissible behavior. Quote, we owe it to our... We owe it to the oath that we each took and to the American people to stand up against extremist ideologies, Austin said in the memo, according to Lohmeyer. And that's what I'm trying to do, he told Fox News and his concerns regarding the critical race theory and Marxism. And I'm not trying to be political, politically partisan. On Fox News, Hannity later Monday, Lohmeyer told host Sean Hannity that institutionally, the Pentagon has a zero-tolerance policy against any, any type of discrimination, whether it be race, sex, politics, or religion. While in command at Buckley, Lohmeyer followed that tenant as a commanding officer. He said, however, in, that, in his time as in leadership, communications were sent, down, sent out to every service member at the base in preparation for what Austin called extremism down days, uh, which, in the, in the colonel's words, alleged that the country was evil and was founded in 1619 rather than 1776 and that white people are inherently evil. So I spoke up against these things in by writing my book, he told Hannity. Pentagon officials provided Fox News with publicly available training videos that did not mention the claims of 1619 founding or white people being inherently evil. Lohmeyer did not specify which communications included that language. Military officials also said he never received permission from them to publish a book. <laughs> Lohmeyer's tribulations also reported res uh, reportedly resonated among the rank and file as a, colonial, uh, as a colonel. <laughs> colonial. 
The colonel explained that he has received to date thousands of notes from his fellow, fellow military members who say they feel like they have lost their voice. Lohmeyer also spoke at length about his book, obviously. <laughs> the initial chapters defend what he calls the greatness of the American ideal. That is something that every American and every service member should appreciate, he told Fox News. Part two is, is a discussion about the origins of Marxist ideology, and I trace through a lineage of ideas over the last century to the present day that show that Marxism has taken on many forms and has many masks or faces. So I discuss those various movements and various groups who have espoused Marxist-rooted narratives and for what they are. Final part, the final part of the book contrasts what is laid out in the first few sections and makes, makes the case why critical race theory is at odds with the, America, the collective American ideal. Lohmeyer also writes about how Marxist-rooted claims uh, about America are actually impacting the U.S. military culture. Uh, quote, most people, including senior leaders who are pushing these ideas, are pushing them without any, any understanding of Marxism, he warned. Lohmeyer spoke to, fo spoke to false Fox News <laughs> in his personal capacity, and his views do not reflect the official policy of Fox News, obviously. Or mine. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got a lot in common with this guy, I guess. Um, you know, this makes me happy I didn't use my GI Bill and go to college, because if I was going to college, I'm like, I got, got, I got out of the Navy in 01, and I would probably go to 02 to 06. College, probably, maybe 07, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of dumb when it comes to math. And so, um, yeah, this guy, I mean, he's an officer, and uh, so there's kind of a different set of standards when it comes to dealing with an officer. But I'm glad that he's, you know, making these comments because I do believe that, you know, these, these, this critical race theory, this Marxism nonsense is Marxism nonsense, and it shouldn't be applied to any aspect of American life. All right. It's a shame that, you know, it seems like every generation needs to learn the dangers of communism and Marxism and socialism practically. You know, they can't just trust the history books. You know, how many people got to die in the name of Marxism and Leninism? And before it's like, hey, maybe this isn't a great idea. We should never try it again collectively as humanity because it's stupid. Created by a bunch of drunk Russians and shit. All right, let's go on to this next story. Armed Washington state man shoots and kills attacker targeting his neighbors, police say. Washington state man used his own, own gun to save his neighbor, neighbors by shooting and killing a man who police say was going on a violent rampage armed with a metal baton. Police responded to the event in Everett around 3.30 p.m. last Monday regarding a report of an assaulting assault with a weapon. The arriving officers discovered a man in his early 30s who had been shot, Everett police said, and he later died from his injuries at a hospital. Uh, witnesses told police the man was walking his dog around the Silver Lake neighborhood when he started yelling and become aggress becoming aggressive towards people, including a grandmother and a young granddaughter. Several bystanders tried to get, uh, intervene, but the man pepper sprayed them and struck them with a metal baton, police said. One of the interveners was armed and shot the man twice. The shooter was detained and was cooper cooperative with investigators, police said. Everett Animal Control took possession of the dog for safekeeping. I'm glad the dog's okay. Fox News reached out to the Everett Police Department, said, uh, who said the investigation was ongoing and they would reveal more details at a later date. No charges have been filed against the man who shot the attacker. Everett is located in northwestern Washington, about 30 miles north of Seattle. Uh... <laughs> So here's the thing. Um, this guy went out with pepper spray and his dog 
and a metal baton and thought he was living in, I don't know, like communist China or <laughs> communist Russia or something like that. And I'm sure as those two bullets entered his body, he's like, oh, this is America. And I mean, I could sit here and bust Washington's, you know, these those left states butts, you know, bust their balls all I, you know, all I want. But you know what? There are, <laughs> there are people out there who, you know, <laughs> carry weapons, carry weapons. It's like you brought a metal baton to a gunfight. You know, it's, and and that's that's the shame of it is that you know these, uh, these these idiots are becoming so emboldened that they think pepper spray, a dog, and a metal baton is enough to you know start bullying people. And it's like I don't know if he like. He walks the dog and smokes meth or something like that, and then you know crazy stuff happens all the time. And it's like that's how he likes to spend his afternoons right after getting home. I don't know, but the point is, is that you know uh, the Second Amendment is there for a reason. It's for reasons like this. And you can sit there and say, well, you shouldn't have shot a guy who only had a metal baton. And it's like you know what? Up your nose with a rubber hose. That guy was starting shit, and somebody finished it. All right. I mean, I would say use a nuke on him, but I mean, I would use the RPG. And blow him and his dog up. You know, he could be like that, you know, like Ice T's dog. We've seen that Key and Peel episode. That's a good treat right there. <laughs> Ice T's face on the dog. Anyway, we got two more stories for you in the show. And I usually like to end on a little happier notes. A little happier notes. So, NFL player Isaac. Yadam, I don't know. I don't care about NFL. NFL player Isaac Yadam's Maserati taken apart to rescue kitchen ch- a kitten trapped inside. Florida firefighters were called to the home of New York Giants cornerback Isaac Yadam on Sunday to rescue a cat that was stuck under the an NFL player's car. Fort Lauderdale firefighters posted an update on the or- on the ordeal on their Facebook page. Officers said the kitchen was stuck above the rear differential of his car. Damn cats. Quote, thankfully, the kitten was a lot slower and less agile than Isaac and Cruz were able to make a rescue, successful rescue. FLFR for the win. And Florida Fire and Rescue, I guess. Or Fort Lauderdale Fire and Rescue, probably, yeah. Facebook post read. Yadam's Maserati was partially disassembled to reach the cat. The animal did not appear to be injured. The 25-year-old was selected from... uh, you're talking about his football. Who cares about that? Trey, he's a Giants player, but he's living in Florida, I guess. Yadam will have to uh, will have to complete compete for time in 2021. The team signed Adore Jackson in the offseason and drafted rookie Aaron Robinson. Blah blah blah. I don't care about football. So here's the thing about cats: they love cars, <laughs> and uh, I think it's obvious why. I think it's obvious why is like um. If you have a cat and it's cat, yeah, it's warm. It's warm. All right. If it's by the rear def- differential, I want to say that's a suspension thing. But they will also climb up. They've they've been known to climb into engines just because you know get warm and stuff like that. You ever seen cats in the middle of a asphalt in the middle of summer on a hot like that noon on a hot day? They love it there. They'll stay there until <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. You know, it's like. I don't think cats and dogs sweat, but that for some reason they like getting like scalding hot. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, and so uh, 
and they and cats in particular, not so much dogs, but cats in particular will find every single cre- crevice. You know, they could squeeze through op- like openings. That's what their whiskers are for. If it's if it's longer than the ends of their whiskers, they're not getting through. Hey, they're li- they're little. Uh, they get everywhere. Anyway, cats are horrible pets, and this is why they had to take apart your Maserati, bro. <laughs> All right, let's get this last story because I got a poop coming. All right, Kentucky nonprofit delivering groceries and essential items to people in need during the pandemic. A Kentucky-based nonprofit born as a result from the coronavirus pandemic is hand-delivering groceries and other essential items to community members who otherwise can't get to a food pantry. Maria Accardi and Constance Merritt uh, created Bringing Justice Home last year after recognizing that food pantries were hit hard by the pandemic losing both supplies and needed volunteers. They began delivering groceries and other essentials to people experiencing poverty and food insecurity, as well as those, as well as those with chronic health conditions who were able to leave, unable to leave their homes due to the virus. For a Cardian Merit, though, it was never just about delivering groceries. Quote, a much bigger company like Amazon could deliver food boxes to a lot more people than we ever will, Merit told Fox News. Oh, you're shaming Amazon, are you? Uh, but they're really... But they're... We are really trying to build a community where people look out for each other and share resources, outcomes, and dreams. By facilitating access to critical goods with the help of community leaders, the duo hopes to create a community, if not a world or a country, where everybody has what he or she needs to live a healthy life, Merritt said. Merritt and Accardi partnered with numerous local organizations that could help point them to people in need. For instance, Merritt recalls a woman who has had cancer and her oncologist uh, talked to a social worker and said she was not eating what she needed. By August, the duo, equipped with donations from people in the community, made their way to the local Kroger grocery store and embarked upon the first delivery. Since then, they have been receiving droves of donations, helping them to feed dozens of what Merritt and Accardi called their neighbors. Quote, bringing justice home just uses the word uses the word neighbor to refer to those we serve rather than client in order to normalize our interdependence, eliminate the stigma of needing help, and demonstrating our desire to just to build just relationships. Their website, Bringing Justice Home, reads, Merritt's job is to contact each person to figure out the kind of food they need rather than just the food that is available. Meanwhile, Accardi focuses on ordering food while staying within their budget. $20 gets people household supplies, Merritt said. $50 gets people enough groceries to maybe, and, uh, to maybe make ends meet so that they're not hungry and, or skip meals for some days. To date, the, D, the duo has at least five or six volunteers who are now helping to make dozens of deliveries each month. So it's these two people who started this. These two ladies, these nice ladies. Uh, and they got like five or six, five or six uh, people working under them. But you know what? They're... They're getting donations from all sorts of people, all sorts of people, their neighbors, as it were. And, you know, that's the America we live in. That's the real America we live in. And that's how America, you know, should run. It's like, you know, it it should be donations from your neighbor. It should be donations from your church that helps less fortunate, fortunate. You know, it shouldn't be the government handing out checks to a bunch of poor people. That's the way things should work in America. You know, when uh, at my church, uh, we always had a food pantry, and you know, f- you know, homeless people could come by the church and say, "Hey, I need some food." We give them something that they could use, and say, so, you know, "This we got this, this, and this," and you know, we and people would come and donate food. 
And so, I mean, I think that that's how America is designed to work. It's like we are, I think Americans are naturally compassionate people, as this article has proven. And it doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. It's like people want to give. They want to help. You know, No no matter how much or how little you think you have, you could probably help out somebody less fortunate than yourself. And there probably is somebody out there. I mean, and I think that's, that's the nature of America. I think it should be things like that that helps people get through a difficult situation like this uh, manufactured pandemic, you know. And it's not checks issued from the government, you know. Re- rely on your community, not your government. Because the power should, remo- re- should and always, always stay within your community. That's why I'm a Republican. That's why I'm the madman. And I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Three bucks a month. It's nothing in U.S. dollars these days. Or you can send me money through Cash App. Use the hashtag shockmonkeyradio. All one word. I would appreciate it. Also, go to my YouTube channel, shockmonkeyradio on YouTube. Like, share, subscribe, comment, engagement. Share it in some Facebook groups. Share it in some Reddit thread you like. I don't care. Share my videos. That's If that's the least you can do. All right, and I would appreciate it. I also have books available on Amazon.com for digital download. Search for the author, no belch, but search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. And I got the Exit 13 uh, books up there, three of them. I got the, the Bunny Years, a memoir, and I have The Ravings of a Madman because I'm the madman. And you're listening to Shock Monkey Radio, and I love you. Ha, 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 ha.